Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pretty Scary. Pretty Scary Boo. Caitlin. Oh. Called out sick. Missing again. Did yep. she call out sick? Are we sure that's all it is? No, she said she I've had something to do. I've left several messages <laughs> on her answering machine. Because she has a home answering machine. Because she has a home yep. answering machine. No. And I'm, I'm not so sure. I hope she's just sick. We'll find out. <laughs> we will find out. She and actually... if, she, if it's more than that, we'll do an episode about it. Okay. Yeah. R.I.P. Caitlin. <laughs> right? Yes, totally. We have guests today. We do have guests today. Carrie, introduce our guests. So I met these guys at uh, Pasadena Lit Fest. They are awesome. They have a podcast called LA Not So Confidential Podcast. It is Dr. Scott and Dr. Shiloh uh, who work with law enforcement. Welcome, guys. Hey. Hey, how are you? It's been a while. I know. What is that? A month and a half? Five weeks? Six weeks? Yeah, I think so. That was a lot of fun. Before we get too far afield, can we talk about that? You just mentioned that there's somebody that actually still has a home answering machine. No. Oh, we were joking. Yeah, we're joking. That would be great evidence if she is dead. Yeah. Yeah. I think (laughs) if if she really is dead, you better edit that part out. Oh, man. Well, yeah. So we don't go to prison. Like, they'll expect us immediately. (laughs) Totally. I definitely don't want that. I would not fare well. No, no. So... What are we talking about today? Uh, if you want to put it on the screen, it's women who love serial killers. <laughs> I wrote the notes, but I still like them, like a teleprompter. So the article that I read uh, was by PhD Catherine Ramsland, which if you've ever watched Investigation Discovery. She's all over. She's awesome. She's yeah. really, really good. Like, I yeah. wish she was my therapist. She's not as snarky as the the one that I love, which is, who's the profiler oh, that we God. love? Why? She's who Clary Starling was based oh, on. Oh, yeah. Um, I know who you're referring to. She's got black hair. Oh, well, she's the wigs, my yeah. Yeah. least favorite. Oh, really? I just love, she's always got great lines. I want to say her name's Candace. It Candace is Candace DeLong. DeLong. Candace yes. DeLong. There it is. But, I like but Kate- Ramsland is the real deal. I like her. I like yeah. Casey Jordan. Yeah. I was watching, I don't remember what show it was. It was on Investigation Discovery, but it was just the other day. And one of the talking heads, just him, so it wasn't like a show-wide thing, instead of facing the camera, was sitting like to the side and just looking (laughs) this way the entire time. Which show was it? I want to say it was like People Magazine investigates or something like that. I saw that too. He was like in a car, but he had his head turned the whole time. He had his... I remember thinking that too. Why did they position just that one guy that way? I don't know. He's probably got like one half of his face is melted. 
Yeah. yeah. Or he's <laughs> it was definitely it, the left side then. He's got it in his, Something really. He's got it in his contract that they can only shoot him from one certain That's angle. Good. That would be me. That's it. From it's the like eyes a, up. It's like a Mariah Carey contract. Right. It'll be the, the, oh, is there a Mariah Carey? We don't, we don't have it on here yet. <laughs> oh, our Mariah dear. Carey sound drop. Yes. We're I'm doing a, so another got a podcast box. about Mariah Carey just for fun. Oh, called Pretty Carey. And we're going to release them a sex episode series all at once. So uh, he's a big wait. fan. Huge Mariah Carey fan. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Very talented. She's great. That she is. Um, okay, so women who love murderers. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is... Anyone here dated a murderer before we get started? Anyone? Mm. Anyone? Not yet. Not that, Not I, that know I know of. I did have a roommate who went to prison for murder. Really? His name was... And Can you say his name? I mean, he's probably still in prison. But this happened after I moved out. But he set up a, a friend of his in a drug deal. He set up this oh. guy to be robbed. So he was a drug dealer... Well, he was robbing. He robbed a drug dealer. He robbed a drug dealer and killed him. Yes. I'm just trying to make sure I understand (laughs) the entire story. Okay. I'm derailing. I'm sorry. (laughs) So he shot him? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he got life? Probably. Yeah, I think he got life. Uh, You know what I'm going to interject is I think you're actually hitting on something that's important about the, the topic today is that. You know, we're talking about women who pursue relationships with men in prison and having worked in the state prison system, it's really important to remember that there's a wide spectrum of different types of criminals in there. There are people that are in there that they committed one horrible crime under and I'm not I'm not diminishing that crime, but like a crime of passion that is completely not representative of their life, that's not going to be the same person as somebody that's been, you know, pulling that crap for years and getting away with it and multiple, right. multiple crimes. Well, Dr. Scott brings up a great point. Um, were there any telltale signs? Did he pay his rent on time? Oh, was he, he, was a, he was a total... Did he clean his dishes? He was a total piece of garbage. No. Where did like, you meet I, him? He was actually my roommate's boyfriend. Okay. She moved him in later at one point. Okay. So she should be here. We yeah. Should be talking to her. She's joining <laughs> us on the in. phone right now. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So the first one we're talking about is Rosalie Martinez. She was a public defender and mitigation specialist who was married to an attorney and a mother of four. In 1995, she left her husband to marry her defendant, killer and rapist. At least that's what his Tinder profile bio says. <laughs> Oscar Ray Bolin Jr. over the phone. Bolin was a former truck driver that was convicted of 10 rapes and three murders in the birthplace of O-Town, Florida. Orlando. Florida. Well, I don't know if it's Orlando, but it's Florida. That's what O-Town means. <laughs> no, I know where the birthplace is. That's still Florida. Okay, go on. <laughs> so CrimeCon is in Orlando next year. I heard. Oh, I know. Is Somebody we, we who lived there yeah. for two years. Yeah. Good luck. Woof. Woof. His convictions had been overturned due to errors before he was finally given a life sentence plus two death sentences. 20 years later, they are still married and she is still working to free him. Martinez, who believes Bolin is not a killer, once stated that when she met him, he left her breathless and strangulation sometimes will do. That's a common factor, I think. She senses loneliness and isolation. She told a reporter it affected me because I felt the same way. She decided to marry him, she said, to raise awareness of the injustice of his plight. Not exactly clear what his plight was. Also, her picker may be worse than mine. <laughs> That's a pretty bad one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's up there. You know how they have a psycho- psychopathy scale? Is that what you call it? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's like 20 is the highest? The hair. Well, 30. 30. 30. I would wonder what, like, what my picker scale would be. Like, <laughs> would it be a 30? 
And see, but here's the thing is if that's what your radar is set for, yeah. you can turn that into a superpower. That's like, I'd seriously, like you just start go, oh, I really like that guy. He's saying, oh, wait, that's it. You know, you start to recognize it. Oh, I like, oh, I recognize I, it. I, like I this just person too prefer to like see red flags and drive by him and wave. It's like minority report. Whenever someone Whenever Carrie's interested in someone, we should just arrest that person. <laughs> yes. exactly. They right probably there, are already in jail or on their way or have a yeah, warrant out for their gonna arrest commit, anyway. They're going to commit a crime at some point. I notice we have Carol Boone on the list next. Has everyone seen the Ted Bundy movie on Netflix? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, let me, like, can, I, can I say something about Martinez? Yep, of course. You know, he um, – I mean, Bolin was executed. Uh, oh, he was. In, in 2016. Okay. Yeah. So he had two death sentences and it, because it's in Florida, they still have the death penalty. But she, to the very end, yeah. defended him. Oh, so, okay. So you're familiar left, with this. Left her attorney husband to be with him. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. That and four crazy. kids. How do you explain that to your kids? I mean, yeah. I don't have kids. I don't know how it works. I don't, works, I don't think but she has a, Let's ask Mary Kay Letourneau. Yeah, we'll ask Yeah, Mary. right? Yeah. They finally broke up. I know. Wah, splitting. Wah. Who saw that? I mean, kind Sad. of. Who saw that coming? When he finally got sick of her shit. Oh, he <laughs> broke up with her? Pretty sure that's yeah. what happened. I did not yeah. see that happening. Yeah. She looks like she's decompensating, but that's another episode. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So Carolyn Boone was in love with Ted Bundy, even after being convicted of three murders. During the penalty phase of his trial in 1980, she even testified on his behalf, I'm guessing as a character witness. They exploited an old law and married in the courtroom just before he received a death sentence. Boone had a child with Bundy, but after six years of marriage, realized that he was guilty. Not sure what tipped her off. Finally, she took her child and moved away. That movie about him on Netflix that uh, people were really up in arms about Yeah, they were. Because it didn't show his crimes. But I actually liked the movie a lot because of that. Because I I felt like it was – I felt like they did a good good job explaining why – Someone in her situation, not necessarily Carol Ann Boone, but the woman he was with before her. Liz, I believe was her name. Right. Like, yes. why would she stay with him? Right. And you see. And she had a child. And you see everything in that movie from her perspective. She didn't see the murders. Like, mm-hmm. she didn't. In her mind, he was just being persecuted for crimes that he didn't even commit. Well, you know, you're, you're talking about something, too, that's very important is when when someone's in a relationship with a, a narcissist, a sociopath or a narcopath, a combination of those two, whatever comes out of their mouth, they believe. Right. So if I'm sitting here and I'm relating to you and I absolutely believe the bullshit that's coming out of my mouth, that's all she's working from. It's like, of course, he's being sincere with me. This is this is all right. This is this is all set up or he's just being look how wonderful he's being to me. So it's a combination of the willingness to not look at all the additional information and just like, oh, well, this attractive person is paying attention to But it was me. neat mm-hmm. to see it through her eyes and get yeah. this different yeah. story of do I believe him, do I not? Now that he's in court, you, and you know, the confusion for her. There was a point in that movie where I was like, is he innocent? And then it's like, no, they're just not showing – they're showing her her view of it. Yeah. They're not showing all the other evidence and all the things we know about that case. You're just seeing her perspective. So, yeah, even I was at one point like, did he not well, do this? Serial killers are great salespeople. They're very charming. I mean, even John Wayne Gacy. I mean, that's what they're known for is sales. And that's how they are able to lure their victims in, I believe. True. I mean, but I think also the myth of Bundy has We've we've fanned the flames of it for decades Mm -hmm. now when, you know, if you look at the Bundy tapes, I thought was fantastic because 
looking at the more you listen to him, he's got that very, very strange speech cadence that if you if we were sitting talking to this person, we'd go, what is up with your voice and not using contractions? And it's oddly sort of archaic and formal and like and also the things that he sort of. They, they always framed it as how what how brilliant he was in all these escapes. I, you know, if, if in today's world with the level of security at courthouses and, and all the technology that we have at our disposal, I don't think he would have gotten away yeah. with, with three quarters of that. Did he escape twice from Colorado? Yes. And then they wanted to get him back when he was found in Florida. And they were like, um, you've already let him out of your sight twice. You well, but how did he get to Florida? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything else to add before I move on? <laughs> no, it's okay if you do. Opinions are welcome here. Uh, the top three reasons. Gary doesn't <laughs> let us talk. Help. <laughs> uh, it's my turn, right? <laughs> <laughs> top three reasons for desiring a serial killer. Uh, one, bitches be cray and think that they can change a man. Two, everybody likes a bad boy or at least sees the broken remains of a lost soul. Three, they want to share in the notoriety and spotlight of fame and get a movie or a book deal. Is that true? Is that why? It, yeah, th- those are a lot of the motives. Um, yeah. There's also this idea of he's he's a captive audience. So yeah. right, That's, I mean, there's there's an actual yeah. term called hybristophilia. Have you are you familiar with it? So no. hybristophilia is it we, we talk about in our podcast in one of our early episodes about paraphilias, about sexual fixation. Yeah. So hybristophilia is the idea of being attracted to something that is really really dark. Mm-hmm. So I think that like you've hit those three points, right? Or these three major points and it can be any of those or a combination of them. But the captive audience thing is big. Like that's a huge one for a lot of, well, I know where he is. Well, that's the next, I know where he is yeah. all the time. Bullet point, And I say, that's exactly why I once wrote Ryan Ferguson. I found him attractive and I loved, oh, and he's been exonerated. So it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> Wait, uh-huh. let's, make sure you're not talking about you. You're talking about, <laughs> no, I'm talking about you. Me. you. Yeah. Oh. No. Have you seen Ryan Ferguson? He's very attractive. <laughs> Look him up on Instagram, life after 10. You should follow him. He's got a bunch of followers. Uh, I did write him. It was funny because I then, once he got out, I sent him a private message on Instagram. Like, Hey, I know this is funny. I once wrote you with a pen oh and paper. God. Uh, anyway, we want to see if you can come on White Wine True Crime. And he never wrote back, which is fine, I guess. Anyway, um, am I over it? I don't know. But it, anyway. It seems like you're not. <laughs> what? If I'm being honest. A little bit of hope there still. Yeah, it feels like you're kind of hurt. You're looking at me with judgy eyes, and I do not appreciate it. But we do appreciate your authenticity and sharing. <laughs> Thank you it's, so it's much. This felt like a safe space, a safe <laughs> podcast space. Little um, did you know. So it goes on to say she knows where he is at all times. Uh, the article also goes on to say she can claim that someone loves her. She does not have to endure the day-to-day issues involved in most relationships. There's no laundry, no cooking, and no accountability to him. She can keep the fantasy charged up for a long time. This is exactly why I have personally endured several long-distance relationships that have inevitably failed. Uh, It then goes on to say that some of these women spend large amounts of money, sometimes their life savings, as well as spending hours driving to the prison and waiting to see their man. Have you guys seen Life After Lockup? I don't want to call it hilarious, but it is very similar to this and it's on WeTV if you get a chance to watch it. I have not seen it. I haven't seen it either. I haven't seen it. I, I, I... Worked in a state prison and saw this happening all the time. So, are you saying about the women who like yeah. would wait and yeah, and got you know cut be there money. every single visiting day? You know, and there are websites. You've seen the website set up for this. Mm-hmm. Like I write to prison, oh, and yeah. prison pen pals, and you know, there's ways that uh, people can connect with each other. And like I said, we don't want to lump all 
incarcerated individuals into the same basket. There are some that are, you know, something that's not too serious. And there's some that are like the long-term sociopathic antisocial tendencies and violent crimes. But that safety, I mean, here, that line right there, she can keep the fantasy charged up for a long time. The idea that's telling me something about that person too. Like, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm revealing to you how messed up I am by saying this, yeah. right? I'm going to tell you that I'm so immature and underdeveloped emotionally that this is the only thing that I can preserve. Right. So it means like this individual has no distress tolerance for interpersonal relationships. We all have conflict. You know, you're going to argue with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You're going to argue with your wife. We do it. That's what life is. And these people, this is a safe place for them not to do it or to avoid that type of interaction. But God help them when they get out because the adjustment period. Right. For people, even the guys that were those, you know, sort of impulse criminals, if they've been in for 10, that's a huge, the world changes so fast now. And for them to try and pick up where they left off after they had this very limited life and then be overwhelmed with all this stimuli, it's very hard. I'm sure, did you see a lot of like religious organizations coming in to volunteer and spend time with these folks? And then it's this idea of way too much change them. Yeah make an impact, they'll be a better person. Right. And also what was served up along those lines is if you follow this, this spiritual religious path, you are then better than everybody else. I mean, that was, uh, anyway, mm. that's a whole other. That's how AA works. Yeah. Can feed Very the narcissism no. Very well. I wonder how often this happens with men writing to female prisoners. I mean, it's got to have, I mean, they're men. So it's obviously, well, you know, really probably fa- happens and is much creepier. Do you remember Carl? Was it Carla Faye Tucker? Yeah. Who was, she was a tweaker in her early twenties and was involved in this really horrific murder. And she was just like, you know, like a typical tweaker. She was gone. Her personality had completely become something like different. Like killed someone with an ax. Yeah. Right? And then talk. And she said that every time the ax hit him, she had an orgasm. Like yes. you know, she was really That's glorifying sadist, it. Right? Well, she was maybe a tweaker. I she was. I mean, she was psychotic, so substance abuse, psychotic. Yeah, yeah. Substance induced psychosis, and she met like a prison pastor. They fell in love and had a relationship up until the day she was, you know, went to the electric chair. And she supposedly was a changed person. And but that's very rare. I mean, you just don't hear about. Yeah. I remember when I worked for Cracked, one of my earliest articles was about crazy dating sites that were on the internet. And there was one, I don't, it might still exist, but it was just a website that allowed you to send letters to inmates. Mm -hmm. And the thing about it, whether it was a man or a woman, the closer they were to their release date, the better their pictures looked. (laughs) Like, as if to say, like, like, if you were a man on there looking for an attractive woman to write to, it was going to be someone who was probably out in about a month and might be at your door a month later. Well, like, there's all types of other relationships, especially with the the correctional officers and, and psychologists. I mean, we right. psychologists... That status very walked, low, thank God. ...get walked out of prisons. <laughs> correctional officers, you know, quit their jobs so they can be with these inmates that they've started relationships with. Same sex, opposite sex, you know. Well, in Love After... Way. It's actually, sorry, it's Love After Lockup, but they showed, and it was a, kind of a split between they had girls getting out of prison and also guys getting out of prison. But I remember this one guy, he was like, I know I'm a truck driver, like I've got buck tooth and I'm balding and here's this woman who's so gorgeous and voluptuous I could never get he goes I've spent my life savings and I'm so scared to tell her because she'll leave me and 
it was the saddest thing. And then there was another one where the girl got out and some guy was writing her and she goes, Hey, just, so you know, I want my prison girlfriend who also is out now to be part of this Whoa. as well. I mean, it was just interesting seeing the dynamics. It was, again, it's interesting, but it's also really sad. It sounds like the beginning of a, a movie as well. Like that ends very badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you uh, don't mind dating a man that was beaten across the face with an ugly stick, then look no farther <laughs> than one eyed Henry Lee Lucas, who had a brief affair with Otis Toole. One woman who was married at the time even devised a plot to free him by posing as his supposedly murdered former girlfriend, a girl that Lucas had confessed to strangling and cutting into pieces. So she pretended to be someone he had killed? Uh, she devised a plot to what? free him by posing as his supposedly murdered former girlfriend <laughs> to show that they were still, yeah, she was still alive. That plot so he couldn't that is amazing. killed her. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Bitches be crying. <laughs> uh, which women do this? Uh, they could have a bunch of these. I'm sure one or all of them. Uh, low self-esteem, be extremely insecure, or be love avoidant, desiring no real possibility of consummating the relationship. However, some have been extremely beautiful, educated, and married. Most are in their 30s and 40s. <laughs> Guilty. Some of their careers include being lawyers, psychologists, judges, or podcasters. <laughs> I wrote the last one to be funny. <laughs> oh, did you? It didn't actually say that? No. Oh, wow. Imagine that. Um, why do women do this? Per Ramsland, primate research finds that females prefer the larger, louder, more aggressive males who show clear markers of their maleness. In humans, then, certain women might sense in an aggressive male a larger-than-life companion who can deliver more than an ordinary man could. Through him, she subconsciously perceives she gains status and protection. Ultimate bad boy. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes, and I do, it was interesting, I, I almost feel like I might be love avoidant because I do find, I've been in a few different long distance relationships where I've reconnected with guys from high school who live in different states. The first one actually was fine. I was in Florida. He was in Chicago. And we dated back and forth once a month. We'd go visit the other person. He's actually the nicest person <laughs> to ever break up with me. So shout out to Andy. Um, <laughs> you know who you are. He ended up marrying and having a child with a girl he um, dated right after me. And it's fine. <laughs> it seemed fine, right, Adam? It's fine. It's, uh, it, yeah, it's fine. Uh, the second guy, though, it was kind of like we kind of knew each other in high school. And then it was just lots and lots of texting. And right away, I love you. We're going to get married. He lived in Texas. I lived in Long Beach. And then he came out to visit for 10 days. And it was like the worst thing ever. All the romance was gone. All the things he promised was gone. He had no money. I had to pay for everything. I mean, it was just like, get the fuck back to Texas. Like, get out of here. But it's so easy. And I think maybe, I don't know if you guys have ever watched the show Catfish, you get caught up in, I guess, the romanticism of it all. And it is nice because you don't have to, you're right. I think a mature person would be like, okay, we fight. But for me, I don't like conflict. So I'm like, oh, this is easier. But it's just emotional intimacy without having to be in the same space. So that's why it feels so real. Yeah. So it feels so real. All we're doing is talking. That's what you're supposed to do. Communicate. Right. right. And that's what we're doing yeah. all the time. He has to court me. You actually may be, you know, in those moments, in those communications, people may be actually showing a great deal of their authentic selves of, of who they, they really are. But that's because the ease of the anonymity of a computer screen allows for this that stuff to emerge. But once the real life is in the way, yeah. that's where all of our emotional baggage of, from over the decades just erupts. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I've great. I've been communicating with you on online over this huge distance for all these months. And then I get there and it's like, uh, oh, wow, she folds clothes like my mother does. 
Oh, or you know, or right. something, something weird <laughs> like that, and just all those things are triggers, and you know that's one of the things. I mean, Shiloh and I both have private practices as well as being forensic psychologists, and you know, are you taking new helping, patients. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, believe this is Southern California. You cannot swing a cat by a tail without hitting a therapist, a social worker. There's one in every corner, right? But just learning to tolerate distress and like instead of thinking that every time we have an argument that means the end of the relationship because right. it doesn't but you know we're kind of like in a or if it does that relationship maybe wasn't supposed to be sometimes yeah, yeah. but we should give give things a chance mm-hmm. you, know, you really should give things a chance and, and um i think you know I, I like even not going too far afield but like even you know our dating rituals have radically changed because of using apps and everybody's like, okay, flip, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, flipping, 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 flipping. And like, it's okay, well, swiping, swiping. <laughs> well, they, the gay ones we have a swipe. Flip bonus like, at flipping. Uh, a grinder and scruff and, and growler <laughs> do it differently. But the idea that like you have this instant gratification of like, okay, here's a match and we're going to meet. And then you get there and you're like, ah. Uh, if you even really? get there though, if you let it go more than a few days, they're on to somebody it else. Yeah. It's five because days. There's is like always a year somebody else. There's always a hundred percent anticipation. You know, it's not like 150 years ago, it was like, well, you look like you're decent breeding stock. We might be able to work something right. out. We're going <laughs> to die by the time we're 35 anyway. Let's get yeah. going. <laughs> well, I, and as a, I guess, a single person in LA trying to date and I've tried, you know, the dating app, I feel like because it is so accessible, it's almost like competitive, I guess oh, yeah. a, a little bit. And I don't feel like it's made a lot of people lazy. And I also feel at least in my case, that being in LA, I'm around a lot of entertainers who are like, oh, like I work at a sandwich shop during the day, I do comedy at night, it's my art, it's my craft, so we can split the bill, right? And it's like, how do you not like even try on the first date? Right. You know, I do get a lot of that who are like, oh, but you make you know, good money. It's like, yeah, but do you think I enjoy getting up at you know 6 a.m. to go to work for the last 20 years? Like I have a job, like I would love to be Taking care living, of it. Yeah, yeah, to be taken care of, but I also would like to be pursuing my art. Sure. So, anyway, yeah. enough about Sounds me. like you need to date a prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> I think I do. So, this article was actually about Charlie Manson, I think, had been married three times, but I didn't want to talk about that. I wanted to talk about his, I thought, beautiful 26 year old. She is very pretty. Yeah, uh, fiance. So, Charles. Well, can we also say that she looks exactly like the three followers from 45 years ago? Yeah. Oh, you're right. She totally looks like a combination of Squeaky From yeah. and who was the brunette. I mean, like, Sadie. Yes. I mean, Sexy Sadie. We talk about like her later. Her. She looks like she would take a shot at Gerald Ford. If you Absolutely. Yes. There you go. Dangerous but inept. <laughs> and I'm sure that was her strategy. Yeah. Oh. No, I mean. That's really. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I don't mind a, tr- a cleaned up Charles Manson. In that is picture. that a cleaned yeah. up Charles Manson to you? He's a silver fox, isn't he? I, I guess so. Oh Richard Garish? He had to Richard know he was going <laughs> to. I am so worried about her. I am so worried about you right now. Everyone is. He had to know that swastika tattoo on his forehead was going to start drooping at some point. <laughs> Look like now. Yeah, it looks like a hammer now. Now it's kind of like a little Nordic rune of a thunder. Yeah, Uh right. Uh Looks like he's in Ace of Base. A bridge between (laughs) his eyebrows, (laughs) linking them together. Uh, Charles Manson died in 2017 from natural causes, um, which is sad that it was so peaceful. However, before then, he was engaged to an American brunette by the name of Afton Burton. She was 26. Uh, when she got engaged to marry Charles, who was in prison at the time, the marriage, which would have been Charles's third, so he was married twice before, didn't see the light of day due to Charles' ill health, which would later lead to his death. 
so Shakespearean. And the theory behind her wanting to get married to him was so that she could have legal rights to his corpse when he died. That was one of the, the to stories. sell or display? I know. Whatever. Right. Yeah, but that was... She's got to taxidermy it and put it in her house. Oh, yeah. Oh, have you guys seen this wild Charles Manson that I stopped in the corner? (laughs) Maybe she could sell it to Zach Braggins. He could put it in his Zach Baggins. Oh, I've been there. Have you? I've been to the haunted museum. Oh, wow. Vegas. And it's in Vegas. And it's it's actually pretty cool. But the first room you walk in, they're like, no pictures. Don't take pictures and tweet any of this. And it's supposed to just be a room of oddities. But you start looking around and there's like Nazi shit. And it's like, oh, I get why you don't want me to take pictures. It's Charles Manson's yeah. forehead. Oh, isn't this right? Hitler pinball machine scary? Yeah, it's scary that you bought it. Yeah. Uh, tell him about when you were in the room Shh, with undisturbed. Annabelle the doll. Oh, oh it was, no, it wasn't Annabelle. It was, what's her name? Uh, Paul, no. I think it was Debbie. You were there, I don't know. Yeah, I think it was, I think the doll's name was Debbie. And it was, they they have this sound playing in the background that's supposed to make it easier for you. Peggy. Here, Peggy. Peggy the doll. And they were like, uh, you can ask her questions if you want, but by this point, most people are too scared. And most of the group wouldn't go in the room. They went in the room, they shut the door behind you, and the first thing I could think to do was... Uh, Asked Peggy how she was doing. And I asked <laughs> right. everyone else if we wanted to ask Peggy how she was doing. And they all said no. So I said, Peggy, how are you doing? <laughs> and then when we left, I just said goodbye because that's what you're supposed to do. You say goodbye and then they don't haunt you forever. Yeah, they let you enjoy respect. Vegas. Yeah. But then the room laughed at you. The room did <laughs> not take, like, I protected them. I kept them <laughs> safe and I got laughter in return. So rude. Wow. Very rude. So but rude. the Haunted Museum, it's fun. Oh, I would do that in a second. Yeah, I would too. I would do that. Yeah. Uh, so 10 people who fell in love with murderers on YouTube. Two of them we actually already talked about, so we were down to eight. Uh, Toby Young was a lady, would bring dogs to prison inmates to teach them empathy. She ended up falling in love with prison inmate John Menard and left her husband and two kids. She smuggled Menard out of prison in a covered dog oh cage and took him to a secluded cabin where she had cash books, a PlayStation, and their words, lots of sex toys. They were caught a few weeks later, and now both are in prison. <laughs> but I bet those two weeks were great. Sounds amazing. Uh, it says several, possibly three. Yeah, probably even three weeks. How long was I, he I in just, prison? Maybe it was that worth was, it. That's a lot of chafing. <laughs> that's a lot of chafing. Right? <laughs> and think about if you haven't had like sex in a while, like you're coming so fast, and then what do you do? You play PlayStation. 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 Yeah. Oh, I guess I answered wow. my question. Okay, that yeah. was a good plan. <laughs> Uh, we've just had sex 10 times. Let's open this book. Yeah. How about some NHL 94? <laughs> or whatever Plays year this Madden. was. Madden. <laughs> the second one is Var Vigorness. Uh, he was in a death metal band and murdered a guitarist from a rival death metal band. He also burned down churches. Marie Cachet threw caution to the wind and married him, and they had a daughter. However, Marie was arrested in 2013 after hatching a far right wing terrorist plot. Oh, that doesn't sound like Swedish death metal at all. <laughs> okay, the next two are about the Hillside Stranglers. First one, Angelo Buono Jr. Uh, he Hillside Strangler number uno. <laughs> <laughs> Made me laugh on typing the notes, too. Convicted of murdering nine women, Christine Kazuka was a mother of three, visiting her first husband in prison, where she got a wandering eye. She married Buono and remarried, oh, remained married until his death. Wow. To him. 
Uh, next is Kenneth Bianchi, Hillside Strangler number two, the cousin of Angelo. First had a loyal admirer, Veronica Compton, who was so devoted that she tried to strangle another woman so that she could allege that the Hillside Strangler was still on the loose. However, the love was not returned, and Bianchi married his pen pal, Shirley Joyce Book, who had first tried to seduce Ted Bundy with her letters. That has to be demoralizing. Oh, and Veronica When you're a murderer prison... She's very attractive. Your prison boyfriend breaks up with you for someone else. Yeah. Because that's, that's half of what you're trying to avoid. And you went to the ground for him. I mean, these are ride-or-die women. I know. And... They deserve our respect. They... <laughs> I don't know. Carrie might be on this list in another 10 years. I know. Don't Number 20. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Number Carrie 11. Martin. Carrie Martin. <laughs> oh, we did a podcast with her once. Uh, the Menendez. Menendez brothers. Menendez brothers. Lyle and Eric are serving licenses for shooting their parents to death. While in prison, it doesn't say anything about Eric uh, getting any puss, but Lyle still attracted the ladies, including former Playboy model and salon receptionist Anna Erickson, who wrote him letters and then married him. However, he cheated on her with Rebecca Sneed, who became his devoted pen pal and second wife. They are still married. Cheated on her? How? I think that may have been at a time when there were still conjugal visits. Oh. You know, conjugal visits only ended, I think, about 10 years ago because of the amount of drugs that were being right. um Smuggled in in a hoo-ha, in the hoo-ha pocket, yeah. as we call it. I can hide mine under the flap of my breast. <laughs> I, the offers are going to come pouring in. No, they won't. Yeah. They will not. Trust me. Lyle and Eric just got to see each other recently for the first oh, time really? after all of these years of being sequestered from each other. Was that in the 90s? Yes. That yeah. this happened? Oh, yeah. Wow. 20. Yeah. Well, you know somebody who knows Lyle, correct? Uh, Yeah. Michael Swaim, who runs the Small Beans Podcast Network. Yeah. Number six, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. Uh, his case, like everyone has their own personal, I guess, serial killer that's like the most interesting. I don't want to say favorite, but most interesting. He was he always fascinated me. Same. Uh, convicted of 13 murders and a bunch of rapes and was a Cecil Hotel patron, married oh, wow. Doreen Leoy in 1996 after she wrote him 75 letters in 11 years. That's a lot. Yeah, but that's only what? Seven letters a year? Yeah, 11 years. Yeah, I don't feel like that's that many when you do the math. They were married until he died in 2013, although he stopped taking visitors in 2010. Including her? Yeah. <laughs> they married. He iced her like out. That's like a le- Isn't that like a letter a month? Um, 75 in 11 years. Nah, that's about every every couple months. Okay. One of us hmm. Maybe they were really good letters. I know, yeah. right? Yeah. Or maybe they maybe they started out not that good and they just got better yeah. and that's why they finally worked. Yeah. Well, now that Polaroids aren't a thing, like do inmates have access to email? Yeah. yeah. A lot of them do. And the website? It, it, okay. Do they in state it, prison? Because a federal prison, they do. Not so much in state prison. I mean, they have them. I mean, believe me, I walked plat- past several cells where guys had, you know, phones shoved up their rear. Yeah. Um, up their hoo-ha. Yeah. Because there's <laughs> that's a huge moneymaker in prison is the guards smuggle in cell phones and sell them to the inmates. So, I mean, there's, there's inmates that are posted. They have their own Facebook accounts and post pictures and stuff. But you're not supposed to have it. So it's really more the federal prison, which is basically, you know, they're club fed. Right. They're like, low, but I don't think they security. can send images. No, it's just. I was going to say, how's the reception inside? Probably not. It's great. a very. It's just a secure network that they use. Oh, you mean for cell phones? Well, yeah. for cell phones, I mean, I it's know. not. I mean, I am torn about this because I remember like I was working on a really, really high security unit, and you know, it's not my job to report 
every time I'm not going to get involved in an altercation between mental health and custody when custody knows that they're allowing some of their their staff to bring in, you know, make a few thousand dollars extra a month by mm-hmm. selling these phones. It, and also, like I'd see the guys, their families were paying the, the data plans and they're watching Netflix. They're watching Netflix and staying out of trouble. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's not my in the in the macrocosm. It's not my business to do that. I'm just there to provide services. But um, I, you know, I, I wish that on one hand, communication is really good for mental health. And, you know, some of the younger people that had really good family relationships, that's really important. On the other hand, the hardcore gang people that like are bad bad people and running criminal networks. Those are the ones that shouldn't have access. And yeah, and they're still, I mean, there are guys in prison now that are still running worldwide drug operations. Right. There's a show. Have you seen it? Murder for hire. I think it's on oxygen. And that's interesting is watching people on the inside solicit different people to try to murder people on the outside, whether it be judges, prosecutors, witnesses. Um, Yeah. As if that's going to fix the problem. I mean, it's not going to fix anything. I mean, that's just vengeance and, and you're going to get a hundred percent. But for some of these people that have nothing else, it's like, well, I've already got three life sentences. I'm never getting out of here. So I will be a a vengeance demon, you know, for want of a better term. That's my Buffy reference for tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I would think they'd be pretty high as narcissist on the, I don't know, narcissist scale. Uh, that and the uh, really just antisocial behaviors, whether or not they really meet the criteria diagnostically for antisocial personality disorder. Like you meet guys like there was a guy that was in the jail within the jail where I was working, really handsome, handsome gang member, like, you know, covered with prison tattoos. And he was so polite. It was, yes, sir. Thank you, doctor. I mean, he was so polite, so respectful and he scared the shit out of me and he was never anything but really nice. But when you it's like I remember going feeling like this must be what it feels like to be in a shark cage, Wow! like where the shark is right outside. And it doesn't matter that he's inside the cell and I'm not I know that he has he has power. Yeah. And uh, that was really that was actually. Do we have time for a story? Can I? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. OK, so this was the jail within the jail. I was just out of grad school. And it was a hardcore but fantastic experience. And this guy was um, in ADSEG, which is the jail within the jail. And he had a roommate that he was uh, in a relationship with for the time being. It was time of relationship mm-hmm. convenience. And they were there. I mean, they had, they had broken rules, which put them in the jail within the prison. But they had planned on it so they could have their suite. This was their house. They were living together, yeah. right? Okay, so – Four doors down was somebody else that was, you know, had gotten in a lot of trouble. And he, when I was doing my rounds, because I was doing daily rounds, is there anything I can do for you? Would you like to come out and talk? No, thank you very much. You're always a very kind Mm -hmm. offering. Very nice, polite exchange. And if they wanted reading material or if they wanted exercises, you know, for meditation stuff, I could always provide that. So four doors down, three doors down, there was a guy that was really, he could tell I was green and he was yelling some really, really nasty stuff to me. And, you know, like you, you learn to thicken your skin and put up a flat affect and not respond. And I remember like, so he's, you know, to the side of me, I could hear him down the hallway, just yelling all this really nasty stuff. And it was the only time that I ever saw my client. I saw his face shift 
and he had frightened me before. Now I was terrified mm-hmm. because something shifted and he got very quiet and he said, doctor, I'm very sorry that you have to experience that. That's rude. You've always been very polite to me. Um, I, I'm, I'm very sorry about that. I'm like, no, it, it, sir, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Come back the next day. The guy three cells down has been beaten to a bloody pulp <gasps> and put, I mean, we're at this is a locked facility, locked cells. They don't come out of the cells. He is beaten almost to the point of death. And I'm going to the guards going, what happened? And they're like, you know, they kind of shrug and look away. And I went to my supervisor who'd been working in a prison for, for years. I was like, what was that about? And she said, well, let's go back to your, your education. He's a narcissistic sociopath. You've been very polite to him. So he owns you. Mm-hmm. He feels that you are an extension of himself. That person being rude to him, rude to you, was being rude to him. So he took him out. Yikes! I mean, so just he, the, he made protecting him your honor. Swallow his own tongue, right? <gasps> not, not quite that, but I mean, the guy You're was Clarice. Was, oh was, my yeah, God. right. Doctor Lichter. So now you have to beat someone to death <laughs> for him. Well, I mean, like, and I, I that's I, how it works. I mean, you know, right? I, we just continued on our relationship. He was always unbelievably polite. He never referred to it, and I just, it was just, it was so, it was surreal. It was a real surreal experience. Is that typical where prison guards look? The other way, I w- it's not typical. There are some okay. that are like the vast majority of them are are great ethical people, and then there are other people that that you know. There's the thing called behavioral drift, where you're working the overnight shift, and you know you're getting. And, and let me tell you, these guys in prison, and this does relate back to what we're talking about. They have nothing else to do but become experts of human behavior beyond what a psychologist can do. Right. They they knew every article of clothing I wore. They knew the day that I wore my uh, gray striped shirt and they knew what color socks and what, you know, you don't like wearing those shoes on a concrete during the summer because the heat goes through. I can tell from by the way you walk. You guys, I'm not, I'm shitting you not. They knew, they know everything. Would that they make you, you more self-conscious when you got dressed in the morning? No, because I kept it to like very limited. I mean, one of the things you do in prison is you want to be sort of, you want to be unnoticeable. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to draw attention to yourself. Like a Toyota Corolla. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You know, a sedan, you just want to be invisible. But um, You're their window to the outside world. Right. Yeah. And they fixate on you in the same way they fix on, on these women. Like, so, the, you know, what we're hearing is that these women, like, he's giving me so much attention, you know, like my husband, he just comes home from work and he's tired and he sits on the sofa and says, you know, when's dinner? And this guy, he's, so of course he's doing that because he has nothing else to do but focus on charming you. And, or maybe he's not a sociopath. Maybe he's an impulse criminal and he's in for five years for, uh, you know, a home invasion or something. Right. But, you know, w- what is it going to be like when he gets out? You think it's going to be this, this Cinderella, Cinderella fantasy? It's not. It never right. works out that way. Well, actually, I have a couple examples it did, but those are rare. I was going to say, I'm sure they're the exception. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, number seven. Susan Atkins, or Sexy Sadie, as she was known in the Manson family, participated in eight murders. During her life sentence, she married Donald Lee Lashore. Yes, that is supposed to be a dollar sign in Lashore. (laughs) Hell yeah. It says that in the notes. Uh, She was his 35th wife. But it did Whoa. not work out, and they divorced after only one year. Wow. She then married James Whitehouse, 15 years her junior, who also happens hap, happens happened to be a Harvard Law grad. They were married for uh, 22 years until her death in 2009. Nice. She married up. I know, Second right? Second time well, around. 
Good catch. 35 times was she? No, he was married. Oh, he was. Times. He okay. was married 35 That's times. That's a lot of experience. She only got married twice. Okay. Yeah. And the second guy, yes. Younger, Harvard Is that a marriage guy? glow up? Yeah. Because prison glow ups are a thing, right? What, Where they what get better it? looking in prison? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, what do you got to do? You yeah, you just have time to out. work out. <laughs> totally. And they all you would think all your pallor, though, would be... So they don't get like crazy leathery skin from sun. I mean, it's kind oh, of amazing. I guess that's true. So Gypsy Rose, did you watch The Mother Dead and Dearest? She got really pretty in prison. Well, her well, mom was starving her. Yeah. And well, there's that. Her mom there's was that. like. Yeah, she didn't get pretty. She just ate. She got normal. Yeah. I mean, she apparently Gypsy, I remember like one of the stats when, when they arrested her and she got, first she was eating so much that they were afraid like she was like uh, going to going to kill herself just from eating too much food too fast. And it was because she had, her mom had had a stoma inserted into her stomach because she was telling her, well, you can't eat solid food. So she had none of the, like that kind of nutritional supplement is for people that can't tolerate anything else. So it's a chemical and there's, you know, your body reacts to nutrition in really good food differently than it does from basically having Similac pumped into you. Right. So she, even though she was in prison, she was actually getting Doesn't better it seem food. So weird though, that she seems so happy when she was like, like, think about how hangry you get. Like when I'm hungry, like I'm not like laughing and you know, all the, she always seemed like a happy child, but who knows what happened? I mean, you know, in that movie, you're getting one perspective on, you're getting a story from one particular perspective. And I think Gypsy probably at this point doesn't, she will be processing this period of her life for many years. And if you don't know anything else, right. And if you didn't have cake and ice cream and all that, I guess if you're, your definition of love is your mom screaming at you and saying, don't say that in public and yeah. don't do this. I mean, it's Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last one on the list. This is very interesting. Darcy Brudos. Her husband, Jerry, wasn't a killer when they met, just a sexual pervert. He would have his 17-year-old bride clean the house wearing nothing but high heels on while he took pictures. But then women around the neighborhood started disappearing. And a weird odor started emanating from his trophy room garage that Darcy was forbidden to go into. Turns out there were amputated feet as well as amputated breasts that he would use as paperweights. But in all fairness, what else would you use them as? Air hockey pucks? <laughs> That's so, a very good question. <laughs> he was That's what brilliantly I'm portrayed in Mindhunters. I don't know I if didn't, you guys no, I didn't see that. Right. You didn't see Mindhunter? No. Wow. Oh, oh shame on me. Yeah. No, I've heard it's great. It's I know. Really That's good. on Netflix, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yes. I'll watch it. No, he. I mean, they did such a great job with all the the serial killers on there. But I, I thought he was he was one of my favorite characters. Everyone loved Ed Kemper, but I liked Ed Brutus Kemper a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very interesting. So, any uh, final notes as uh, we wrap up? Well, one of the one of the examples I don't think we have on here has anyone seen Escape at Danamora? Oh, that's a great that's a great yeah. contrast to this. Yeah, in many ways because. Plus, her performance is fantastic. Oh my Just god, so phenomenal! Good. And one of the sort of the the one of the things I heard from a buddy of mine that worked on work production was that one of the male leads was there. He's like, "Where's Patricia Arquette?" You know, like looking around. And he's like, "Who is this strange little woman?" Yeah, you know that she was so far into character with the makeup and everything that they didn't even recognize her when she showed up on set. Yeah, it's it's a really good show, and it's it's fascinating seeing that relationship that she had with those two develop 
and just how it contrasted with her home life. And it's it seems like kind of the, the same thing we've been mentioning a lot here, where she had this home life that she deemed really boring and uneventful. And then right. these two dudes in prison who are just paying her all the attention in the world. Yeah. And relatively attractive. Um, one of the darker haired one definitely was. Yeah. In real life. But I just, I don't know what she imagined was going to happen when she got them out of prison. But didn't I don't, she I don't freak think out? You, I don't think you do. I mean, it's just so you're in, or what, what you, you know, part of bad decision making is not, and in, in programming and recovery in AA, one of the, the things that I like when I work with the clients that are in, in solid recovery is that tool of playing the tape forward. What do you really think in this ch- in this chain of events, this chain of decisions you're going to make, what do you think is going to happen? And really sit with it and like, okay, if I do this, then this happens. And when somebody, she plays that character, she's so bereft of validation mm-hmm. and, yeah. and interaction. Starved. and yeah. yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Emotionally starved. And then she's just love bombed. I mean, that's what you do in a cult. Yeah. That's yep. how you get cult right. members, right? But didn't she have that doubt at the end and then she left and so when they popped up through the manhole no one was there and then they ran so yeah okay that's what i thought so she did have doubt but then she still is in prison right yeah well yeah yeah Yeah, i mean she still helped him escape right she just failed them at the end (laughs) (laughs) but i want shiloh you have i know you have some commentary on this too because we both i mean we met um, working in a forensic site in South LA, working with sex offenders that were being released from prison or about to go into prison. And you stayed there after I went to work in prison. You went on and, you know, took a big role. You saw these type of manipulative personalities that were coming out. Oh, sure. It You see the manipulation them trying those skills when they get out with whomever, whether it's they're trying to get into a relationship or with their therapist or the intern that's working there. It's like they've been starved for getting that feedback. And then now they're back out in the world and they have these types of personalities. Um, So it was really interesting to see it when they would come out and then not seeing how these consequences would play out. But that's part of their antisocial traits as well. And you just keep, and they just keep pushing. Like, okay, well, this person didn't didn't go for the hook, so let me try this person right. and this person. Right. right. Yeah. Someone falls for it. Focus, right. Time. Someone will. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You tend to go for somebody that you think is emotionally vulnerable. It's just like people, con men, go for um, like older people typically. Sure. Because just, they're lonely. They just want to talk to somebody. Okay. Yeah. They've got savings. Yeah. Yeah. Easy to victimize. Right. That's why phone scams work on old people. Yeah. Right. Because they finally have someone on the phone with them. I saw a cashier at CVS a couple months ago literally stop an old woman from buying something like $500 worth of Google Play gift cards. Yes. And like right as she was ringing them up, she was like, wait, why do you need these? Good. And she was like, oh, someone called me. Oh, my God. You don't know how that makes my day that somebody actually gave a shit enough. Oh, yeah. It was great. That's wonderful. Thank God. Because. Before I was a psychologist, I was a police officer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the early 2000s, companies were not set up to deal with this type of technology that was happening. And these people were victimized and would never get stuff back or it would take years. Right. And being the victim of fraud was like worse than being a victim of a hundred percent. I mean, it just drug on so much. Right. But thank goodness with the rise in fraud and those types of crimes, violent crime has gone down. So. Right. Yeah. God, that's so weird. That's so weird. (sighs) All right. All right. Yeah. 
so we're all gonna place to end. Should we all get some pen pals? And yeah, I think we should. Start, maybe we should just start okay. our own website. Firing off letters to prisoners. I wrote to Brendan Dassey. He wrote back. Oh, really? Also, almost say? exonerated. So I thought I was going to be two almost. for two. Oh, we'll see. Well, yeah, we'll see what happens. It was more just like you know, like hey, what's up? I saw making a murderer. Like, yeah, good luck with everything. Could so well, let me give, let me give one good example since we've been talking about and I I got it, but I've got to de de identify this so I don't. So I I, I worked with a, an inmate. <clears throat> that wasn't even in mental health. And let me tell you, there's nothing like a, a nurse in prison. Let me tell those are the crustiest. They are the Tough. toughest, un, um, uh, just amazing, amazing mm-hmm. uh, professionals. And one of the nurses came to me and she said, Doc, y- you know, I don't like, like I'm tough on these guys. And I'm like, yeah, you, you don't, you have great boundaries. And she goes, would you please talk to this guy? He's, um, he's terminal. He has a terminal diagnosis and he's probably going to die here. And he is the nicest guy. I don't know what's in his C file, which is short for criminal file, but he is not, he's not the typical criminal. He's always super polite. Uh, he's respectful. You know, we could tell he's not a drug addict because he's not, you know, we test his blood and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so I met with the guy to, and with the idea of like, dude, you may die in here. Um, do you want to talk to me? Do you like, and I'm, I'm here, this is my job. And we ended up having like this really interesting, um, and this was somebody who his, his charge was totally, uh, drug sales related and nothing else. No previous history of violence. He was drug addict, Mm -hmm. hardcore drug addict. He admitted all of it. And he had met, um, he had met a woman through a pen pal thing. And he, somebody, one of his cellmates said, you should write th- th- these women. Like it, they're nice. You know, you should yeah. talk to them. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that. So he starts up this relationship and she comes and starts visiting. They, they get married and he ends up being like one of the only people in probably the last 20 years that got a compassionate release because he was so close to the end. Oh, but wow. then, and his, he and his wife, like, and you know, like after they're off my caseload, I can't communicate with them anymore. And so I had to say at one point I had to terminate with him. Like, I want you to know that like, this has been very productive work and you know, I'm, I'm sorry that I will not be able to see you through the end of this process, but I want you to know that, that I, that I appreciate you and, and appreciate your time. And I know you have a support system and, you know, doing all the correct therapeutic things. And I got a letter two years later from his wife after he had passed and he had been able to spend a year and a half out living this life after he had served his time. He had served like a good, you know, 15, 16 yeah. years. Wow. And, um, it was a serious drug thing, but nobody got, nobody got hurt. Um, terrified, but nobody got hurt. And, uh, you know, she wrote me like the nicest letter saying that, you know, his life turned around because you treated him with so much respect. So, you know, we, we talk about these extreme cases of, you know, we want to lump criminals all together. Well, you're in prison because of this. And like, let's not lump them all together. There are some, yeah. there are some people that life has put upon circumstance and, you know, maybe they've made some bad choices, but, you know, and we, what we've been sharing today are the worst of the worst, but right. that's not representative of all of them. But that being said, please, everybody out there listening to this, be careful and don't be dumb. Yeah. Just don't be dumb. You know, Maybe Dr. Scott can talk to your old roommate. He's in prison. Maybe. Maybe <laughs> one time, yes. drug, Maybe one time you, drug offense. I may have. Maybe yeah. you can write him a letter. <laughs> I will. What was his name again? Please spell the last name. <laughs> Perfect. Spelled exactly the she way it sounds. She needs a CDC number. <laughs> Perfect. 
Well, I love that you guys came on and shared some of your experiences with us. I hope this was fun for you guys. This was awesome. a blast. Thank you. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, thank you both for doing it so much. I so appreciate please it. plug uh, your podcast and anything else that you guys want to promote. Yeah. Sure. So our podcast is LA Not So Confidential. And in two weeks, we're going to be doing the first true crime podcast festival ever, which is taking place in Chicago on July 13th. And Scott and I are going to be doing a live show, crossover show with the Getting Off podcast, where we're going to cover Mary Kay Letourneau. Very nice. Um, so we're going to talk all about Hot for teacher and uh, <laughs> yeah, please. If, you know, if you're out female there, sex offenders, if you, if you like our, our subject, we talk about, you know, true crime and forensic psychology, you know, and we try to be humorous about it. And we use sort of classic Hollywood examples and current examples. So give us a listen. Yeah, yeah they're great. Thank I you. love them. Thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you. Adam, you're great, too. Hey, thanks. You're great, too, <laughs> Carrie. Thanks. All right. Should we get out of here? Do we finger? Do, do you want to finger? Oh, we all finger at the end, oh, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Beep, beep. Oh, that was nice. <laughs> Got all to right. finger two doctors. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you.